I look around, deja vu spidering up my spine again. We're outside the engine room again, and joy of joys, we are not in fact dead. Again. I look at Finian, and even though all this is impossible, I'm still aware of how close we're standing. A tiny part of me is conscious that the last time we did this, this pale, beautiful boy kissed me about five seconds from now. But the rest of me, the sensible part of me, is screaming at my lady parts to shut the hells up because who cares what happened when we did this before? Ovaries, the point is, we did this before. The impossibility of all this is turning my legs to jelly and my brain is buzzing in my skull as Finn grabs my hand and we run up the corridor to the cockpit. Again, we find Zila in the pilot's chair, the roiling darkness, the brief bursts of light, the space station. Everything is the same as when we did this before and oh, maker's breath, we did this before. We did this before. That's a quote from Aurora's End by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. This is YA Book Chat, and I'm your host, Leah Stuhler. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of YA Book Chat. Thank you, as always, for your continued support and for listening. I have a very special episode today for you guys. We are going to be talking about Aurora's End, which came out a couple of months ago, which is super exciting. I know not just for me, but for many of you listening as well, as we have chatted about it. And I have two very special guests with me today to chat about this fantastic book. I have Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoffs themselves here. You know them. They are also the authors of the Illuminae Files and the Aurora Cycle. And I'm very happy to welcome you both here today. So thank you for being here. Welcome to YA Book Chat. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Of course, it is my pleasure. And I do want to let everybody know, too, before we get started, that today's episode is going to just be completely spoiler-filled. So if you're looking for one of my normal episodes where I don't do that for the first 15 minutes, this is not going to be it, friends, <laughs> okay? I thought, no, the book's been out for a couple months now, so we're just going to do all spoilers today. <laughs> so there's your warning. <laughs> So I did want to talk to you guys just about kind of the Aurora Cycle series in general and some very specific questions, of course, for Aurora's End, since that's the one that just came out recently. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how the idea for this series came about? I mean, we were we were talking about it towards the end of Illuminae. Um, basically, we decided that we wanted to write another series together and it was going to be sci-fi, but we wanted to make it a little bit of a love letter, I guess, to the properties that we had grown up with as kids. Like Illuminae was, I mean, it wasn't hard sci-fi, but it wasn't, you know, there's there's a blend of fantasy and science fiction in the properties that we love, like Star Trek and Star Wars and Babylon 5 and whatever that Illuminae didn't really do. So I guess we wanted to go a little bit bigger and deal with alien races and different cultures and different technologies and make things a little bit broader in terms of scope. You know, Illuminae is basically it's a big series, but it, it essentially happens in one solar system. So we wanted to throw the net a little wider and have like a galactic scale conflict, kind of more epic in scope, I guess. So that was where we started. And we just started bouncing ideas back and forth about the ideas that we wanted to cover in the books and the series that we wanted to pay homage to and, and kind of went from there. And it definitely does encompass many different um, sci-fi areas. I loved reading through it and just kind of picking out little things. Like 
uh, I, in burning one of the ships, the name of this one ship is the Picard. I was like, oh yeah, that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of Easter eggs hidden throughout, mm-hmm. um, both, both like real homages and homages to the, to the properties that we love, like the Hadfield, which is the ship that Ori is found on. That's a shout out to Chris Hadfield, who's a Canadian astronaut who spent a bunch of time up on ISS. I made a bunch of amazing videos that you can still find on YouTube just about what day-to-day life on a space station is about. So, yeah, we gave, we gave a shout-out to our real-life heroes as well. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that about the Hatfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. almost there's, everything there's in Sagan, that too. Sagan station as well. Yeah, there's, you know, I mean, probably more for the Brits, but, you know, there's a Jupiter Mining Corporation Outpost, which is a, a shout out to Red Dwarf. There's almost everything that has a name is named for something or someone, either a you know a property we love or a person we respect or occasionally just a friend. Very cool. I love that. I always love when I'm reading something and authors put little uh, Easter eggs in there like that. Like it makes me excited when I read them and I catch it because it's something that I know, <laughs> you know, like a book I've read right. or a movie or, you know, yeah. an astronaut or something like that. It just makes it, it gives it, it enriches it a little bit more, I guess, is what I want to say. But yeah, I love this because it was like reading for me, it was like reading like a combination of like Star Trek and like Guardians of the Galaxy kind of, but like with teenagers <laughs> instead. If teenagers went through all of these adventures, this is what it would be like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Star- Starfleet Academy is kind of where we started. That was one of the yeah. thoughts that initially kicked us off. Um, yeah, because, I mean, we're, we're both, I think we're both Trek over war fans um, <laughs> and kind of like the the sense of uh, hope and exploration uh, and boundless possibility that, kind of original Star Trek and next gen kind of encompass. So we wanted to have that same kind of vibe in this series as well. So yeah, yeah. Star, Star Trek Academy, Starfleet Academy is where we started. Yeah. That was one of the, the early descriptors to our editor was if the breakfast club went to Starfleet Academy. Oh, nice. I yeah. love that. <laughs> that is a very good description of it. The breakfast club. Cause this, this crew of characters we've got in this series is definitely breakfast club material for sure. Right. I mean, I think, you know, you see a lot of books described as having a breakfast club element, but that's because we all love stories that are, you know, about a group of people who don't seem to fit together, but ultimately do. Yes. And this series has such a fantastic group of characters. They're all so unique and individualized and they're just fun. They're all so fun. And, um, I wanted to ask you about some of them. Okay. We have to, I have to give credit. Like Magellan is a character all in itself. So whose, whose idea was Magellan? Cause especially in Aurora's end, you know, like the, the attitude we get from Magellan, cause Magellan like narrates it kind of at the beginning. And, um, and then we get more of Magellan later in the middle. And anyway, Magellan is just fun. Where did that idea come from? It, it, it served a couple of functions, I guess. Yeah. Like in the first book in particular, it was used mainly as a framing device to kind of explain, to, to put exposition mm. in the book, kind yeah. of serving the same function that the Hitchhiker's Guide serves in the mm. Douglas Adams books. Yeah. Like it, it's essentially a talking Wikipedia and it could very <laughs> quickly and succinctly explain things that readers needed to know going into the chapters that were going to come up. So yeah. rather having 
you know, Ori is kind of a, she's a little bit of an audience surrogate in a sense because she's new to this time and place and she doesn't know much about it. And instead of having a character kind of sit and explain all these things to her, Magellan was a, a quick and simple way to let her and thus the reader know things yeah. about the galaxy that you would need to know to enjoy the story. Right. But and, you know, it's she has also, every asking. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it's also, it's also a shout out to, again, what Ames was saying, that there's a, a show that Americans probably aren't familiar with. It was called Red Dwarf. Uh, and we both grew up with it. It aired on the BBC. It's a British mm -hmm. sci-fi comedy show. And there's an episode in that uh, with a character called Talky Toaster. It is a, yep. <laughs> it's, it's a toaster that talks to you when it bakes you yeah. bread. One of them uh, gets... And it gets a, imbued. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, with so artificial intelligence. And, and it spends its entire episode, you know, you know, would, would you like toast? No. Would you like a crumpet? No. Would you like, you know, you know like, shut up. And it's like, all right, I only have one more question. All right. Muffin? You know, it's just it's absolutely unstoppable and, and chirpy as. We sent a sample of Talking Toaster into our audiobook uh, producers to be like, this is how the narrator should should sound. But <laughs> I think, I mean, I think with like with a lot of stuff that happened at the beginning, like no idea whose idea it was because that I yeah. think gives a, gives a false impression of how the process works that, you know, okay. instead it's us sitting around saying, all right, we need to provide information. How are we going to do it? And as we started to talk, you know, um, mm. we came up with this idea that it should be, yeah, a shout out to Talkie Toaster and to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and to, you know, all of the AIs. And the, the, yeah. the idea that it would ultimately be the device mm -hmm. by which the whole meta plot kind of gets revealed, that was <laughs> yeah. completely unknown to us at the time. Like we had right. no idea what Magellan would become. Um, yeah. But that's just the process of the way, like, it's part of the process, the way we write. You, we discover the story as we write them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I still remember the, um, we were away on, on a writing retreat kind of when we were working on it and I was like, no, 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 I got this, I got this. Because when I was a teenager, I had a long insomnia period where I would just listen to the radio play of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy every night, all night. Yeah. Like, I can recite that thing. <laughs> um, I can't remember what you were working on, Jay, like something within the book that was some big sequence or something. And I was like, put your head down, sir, lead me to it. And I remember like writing all of these entries about things that we knew we would need to explain because at the beginning uh, it was even, you know, like, like what are the different streams within the Academy and, you know, like what are Sildrathi and what are Petraskins, not that complex stuff, just writing it all down on cards and spreading it out over this giant dining table. And then starting to slide it around into order and um, mm. and come up with jokes for it. Writing writing the Magellan <laughs> jokes was definitely one of the most enjoyable parts of the book for me. <laughs> Magellan does have some great lines, that's for sure. So, um, speaking of how how you work together and kind of create things, now I did watch an interview that the two of you did where you did reveal. Like whose kind of ideas each character was more, you said it was more like who created each character than like necessarily wrote each one. Would you tell my listeners yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's good to frame yes. it that way. Like yeah. to say that, like, yeah. like that we each originated certain characters, mm -hmm. but then 
as soon as you're writing, you know, if I'm writing a chapter from one of, you know, quote unquote, my character's points of view, all of, you know, Jay's characters are in it, which means I have to write their lines and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that joke or that line or that moment you love from a particular character could have been written by either of us because not only do we write each other's characters in our own chapters, but we then edit each other's chapters Mm. to the point that I I honestly think if you were to sit us down with the book and give us two different colour highlighters and be like, highlight what you wrote, I think we would struggle for large chunks of the book. (laughs) Yeah. We we started out because this process was a little different from Illuminae in the sense that most for most of the book the Illuminate characters are separated from each other and they're usually talking one-on-one so Amy and I would kind of do those conversations in real time back and forth sometimes just via text message and then we would Mm -hmm. transcribe those conversations but Aurora was different in the sense that most of the characters were thrown into the same room within a couple of chapters and all of a sudden they're bouncing off each other their personalities are coming out and the modes of speech are coming out so there wasn't enough time to kind of acclimatize to each yeah. other's characters, so to speak. Right, like to teach each other. Write them. Yeah. Yeah. So we did we did kind of like a free writing exercise at the start. So the scene where most of the team are assembled in the briefing room at Aurora Academy. I mean, I just basically free form kind of role played those conversations just to give each other an idea of how each character kind of spoke and acted and mm-hmm. what their person you know most obvious personality traits were and we also did a series of kind of character biopics I guess that kind of broke down physical appearance and political belief and deep dark yeah. secret and the thing that makes you mad and the thing that makes you smile and and kind of did like this crash course in each other's characters and then yeah we just kind of jumped into it so the lines are very, very blurry, like Amy mm-hmm. said. So the origins of characters lie with each of us, but very quickly the crew kind of became our crew, which is one of the cool things about yeah. the process. Yeah, yeah. And, and not something I think that we could have pulled off in our first series. I think we had to, you know, our writing yeah. is so, we're so familiar with each other's writing now and, like, the way we do it is so entwined that it was actually not even hard for this series but I think would have been impossible at the start of Illuminate. So mm-hmm. I still remember that. that was the moment when we were, when we were editing Obsidio mm-hmm. and Ames sent me back a chapter with notes on it and she was like what did you mean when you said this and I said I don't know you wrote it <laughs> that's <Yeah>. your line <laughs> so yeah the line the lines get very blurry very oh blurred. yeah I love especially that. I think for me because I just never remember who wrote what but I mean so yeah we can say <laughs> that like the the originators as in I guess like the people who kind of you know set the tone for each for each character was um I set the tone originally for um, Ori and Zila and Finn and Magellan and Jay set the tone for Tyler and Scar and Kat and Cal. I nearly forgot one of our children there for a moment. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, then shortly thereafter, everyone was everyone's. Yeah. yeah, which makes sense. Like you said, with the way that it's written, your characters are all right there in each chapter. They're all together so much of it that you yeah. really don't have a choice in the matter. You have to get to know each other's characters. It's kind of as as you were <clears throat> talking about 
um, getting to know the characters and the different things that, you know, you did to kind of set out who they were and what they believed in and how they would talk and all that. It kind of makes me think of like, as an actor, I told Amy this earlier, Jay, I'm a theater teacher, former actor. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we have to do too, you know, in order to create a character, you have to really sit down with the play and open it up and say, okay, who is this person? And really dive in and figure out all the little intricacies and the ins and outs. And a lot of who they are is tied to the other characters too in the play. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I certainly, sorry, go on Jay. I was just going to say, like, the characters change in the course of bouncing off each other. Like, they mm-hmm. they all influence each other in different ways. So it's a constant evolution as well. Like, characters yeah. aren't set in stone. You want them to grow and change over the course of the narrative. And a lot of the forces that exert that growth are the characters that you surround them with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we come up with some each, but we don't want to accidentally have overlap. So then as soon as they start meeting, you start being like, oh, okay, this one will shift slightly towards more sarcastic or slightly towards more assertive, you know, in, so that they can kind of shuffle around and all fit together and, you know, make mm-hmm. a little like, click into place. Speaking of the characters too and the personalities, this makes me think of, you know, how they, they each have these great personalities Some of them have specific phrases and things that they say. I want you to know, I have incorporated into my everyday vernacular, the phrase mother custard. (laughs) (laughs) Every day, every day, at some point it comes out. There's like a lot more patisserie based swearing out there than than we anticipated now when we started this. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's the one that stuck with me the most. And it just, I will, something happen. I'll like, I'll drop something. I'll bang it, bump into something. I teach in the theater at school. And so I have to walk (laughs) up and down the aisles to pick up all the pencils and trash the kids leave behind on the floor. Right. And inevitably I always bump into an armrest. And every time I do, the first thing I yell is mother custard. (laughs) It's very satisfying <laughs> to say, isn't it? It is. It really is. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> satisfying. The first time my 11-year-old heard me say it, he looked at me and was like, what did you say? I said, yeah. Yeah. I said that. And he was like, um, that's weird, mom. I said, no, it's from a book. It's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's still weird. It's just also literary. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. <laughs> also a description of us. Hey, I love it. So another thing I wanted to ask you um, about the characters, and this was a, a friend of mine, her and I, she, she loves this series as well. And something that she had pointed out too, is that the characters are very diverse in a lot of different ways. Like Ziva um, is in the LGBTQ community and she's also like neuroatypical. Finn is kind of like differently abled in a way. Ty and Scarlett are mixed race. Was that something that you set out to do to have them be diverse like that? Or did that just kind of happen organically? I mean, it was a bit of both. Right. Like I think you, it it would be weird if we had just created a kind of all white, all straight, able-bodied community like that wouldn't Mm -hmm. be a reflection of the world we live in or even of us but so I think you know you automatically when you set out to reflect the world you end up with diversity but you can't then just casually go about it because some of those some of those aspects of those characters aren't things that we experience which means 
you know, you have to get it right. You've, you've got mm. to do your homework. You've got to, you know, which we, we did. We worked with sensitivity and authenticity readers. We researched, we, you know, spoke to even down to stuff like, you know, since we can be spoilery, you know, um, Zila tells us all about the trauma that she went through as a mm. child, you know, when her family were killed. And so right as we were beginning the series, I sat down with a psychiatrist who specialises in trauma, particularly in children, and we, we worked through the backstory that I had in mind for her because what I wanted to be sure of was that it was, like, reasonable and feasible that over the course of the adventure as she finds, you know, her, her chosen family more and more in the squad that, you know, she starts to shift and the way she, you know, responds to them emotionally starts to shift and it was very important not to give her, you know, like a miracle cure from her trauma. It was very mm. important to be like, oh, but now she found love and she's fine. Um, so I talked a lot to him about what would her childhood need to have been like in order for her to be able to return to this point again so that we could, you know, make sure. And I'm, I'm sure for a lot of readers who, you know, you sure hope have not experienced that level of trauma Perhaps that type of research doesn't necessarily show up, which is fine because for some it does. And, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what the, the part of it is that you're writing about, whether it's a part of that you also share or that you don't, you know, it's so important to get it right. But you do your homework. And and- it's also, it's, it's a legacy, again, of the sci-fi that we kind of grew up with. Like totally. if you look at the bridge crew of the original USS Enterprise, you've got mm-hmm. African-American actor, you've got a Japanese-American actor, you've got a guy who's playing a Russian, like this is in the middle of the Cold War. Right, like um, that was yeah, as controversial. Not, yeah. not, not, so, right. not so long after World War II. Michelle <laughs> yeah. Nichols was like the first African-American actress in yeah. a role that significant. I don't know if it's apocryphal, but I have heard that she was considering quitting and Dr. Martin Luther King told her that she shouldn't because seeing someone like her on television was so incredibly important. So that's a, that's a wow. legacy from, yeah, that, that utopian right. view of Roddenberry-style yeah. future that really inspired the book. So we wanted to make our galaxy the same. And yeah. I, think, I think for doing sci-fi, I mean, you really kind of need to, you know, like when, because when you, yeah. at least for me, I mean, when you think of sci-fi, like that's how it is. You expect to see starships with different aliens, different people from different planets and races and skin colors. And so it's fantastic to see it. And I absolutely love it. It's perfect. I think it would have not worked if it wasn't like that. No, no. Yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, when you say, <laughs> is it, is it sort of incidental or deliberate? The answer is both. Yeah you know that makes sense do yeah. you feel like either one of you are more like one of the characters than another like are you like amy are you like ori or ziva or anybody what do you think oh i know when you're as clever as zila is that is one of the issues with when you're like i'm a writer really smart character now and then you're like oh, no What's a smart know. thing to do? <laughs> now I have to be smart. <laughs> yeah, now I have to be charismatic. Oh, what was I thinking? Um, <laughs> Zila was like data for me, you know, from Next Generation. I Every time I read her, I was like, data. This is what I thought that she was. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I, share, I share bits of a lot of them, you know. I share bits of Finn's smartassery and his deep family connections. I share, you know. Some of what Ori um, talks about 
you know, with her family comes from the fact that um, I'm by training, I am a migration historian. Like my, oh, wow. my interest, um, my historical kind of area is uh, groups of people who carry their traditions with them when they um, migrate. Um, because again, there's a whole podcast episode about this. I don't know, you know, I could talk for hours, but you know, like the really short version is that there are particular groups um, in, in particular in the, the centuries I was studying um, Irish and Jewish migrants were the two groups who carry their, their identity with them mm-hmm. for many, many more generations than any other group. Uh, and so, you know, and, and I'm descended uh, on one side Irish and on the other side Jewish. So, you know, that was of interest to me. But, you know, I gave Ori and her family, you know, some of the traditions carrying through her family because that's, you know, that's one of my areas that I'm fascinated by the ways we carry ancestors with us even when they're from places that we might not have been. I love that. I And I feel like that too. My family is Italian, um, both my mother and my father's side. Like I am just, that is it. I'm Italian. <laughs> Italian-American. And it's, you know, very like I can see, you know, growing up with um, my grandparents and my my mom and my aunts and uncles. I mean, that tradition, like everything Italian is just very much in Mm -hmm. us. And we carried everything with us, like down to, you know, my grandparents have since passed on, but my cousins and I still carry on as many of the traditions as we can. Right. Yeah. It's different groups. Yeah, different groups carry all kinds of things. I mean, Jay, your similarity is Cal, right? The two of you both like to sit around and recite poetry and strum a stringed instrument. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think there's elements of each of us in all the characters in one way or another, and it might it might be it might even be a facet of your personality that you wish you had. Um, yeah. and the character is kind of an exploration of that. There's there's a piece of there's a, there's a in every character there's a piece of its author um what kind of piece that is can be you know it can be to greater or lesser degrees but yeah there's a fragment of each of us and i think there's probably a fragment in each of us in the characters that our co-author created yeah. as well because Definitely. like i say the characters are kind of bouncing off each other constantly and the people that influence you the most in your life are you are your close friends and your family and the squad are you know, start as one and kind of become the next. So, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the pieces of each other kind of bleed into each other and uh, make them someone new. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think we kind of meet in the middle. Like, you know, if I hold out Finn and go, here, he's kind of a smart ass. And Jay's like, oh, okay, let me get that bit of me that's also kind of a smart ass <laughs> and pull that up. But like, and pull that up to the surface <laughs> when I write his, his lines and when I write mm-hmm. him, he becomes a mix of the ways in which we both are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, wrote this last book um, during lockdown when, you know, Jay's on the other side of the country from his family and, and wasn't able to see them at all. And so, mm. you know, I assume that when that's happening and you're writing about a character with deep familial connections, presumably those two things merge at some point, whether you're yeah. thinking about it or not, Definitely. you know. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the last book, Aurora's End, I heard that you had originally planned a different ending for it, but then you ended up changing it. Is that correct? So very well informed. (laughs) I mean, that's what a friend of mine told me. I was like, okay, so how do you, okay. So how do you feel about how the ending is now? Like after, 
after now that the book has been out for a little while and you've had reactions to it with the way that it ends, are you like, okay, this is good. We totally ended it the right way. Or is there any spark of like, ah, I kind of wish we had gone back and done the other ending? No, no. definitely not. The mm. way we ended it was the right way. Mm. And, it, and it wasn't until quite late in the day that we realized that like we had, it was almost a foregone conclusion. It was like an unspoken thing that mm. this, this, book was going to end in a in a big pew pew kind of star wars-esque space <laughs> battle um and it wasn't until we kind of got to the 11th hour that that started to just feel wrong because like i said before you know we're not prescient enough to know how the whole series is going to end when we start writing it mm-hmm. and the story often changes in the telling of it so it, we didn't really know the the kind of full depth and breadth of the story that we were writing until we were in the middle of it. And when we were reaching the end of it, we realized that the story we had written didn't fit that ending that we imagined anymore. Um, and it wasn't until Ames started writing it. Like, like Ames sent it to me. We, we kind of spitballed on the phone for like half an hour and Ames said, okay, shut, shut up. Leave me to it. <laughs> Leave me alone for like two weeks. I'll, I'll bring it back to you. And I, as soon as I read it, I realized that it was absolutely right. It, it felt perfect. Um, yeah, it was funny though. It, it like, felt like it, it, it in, encompassed everything that we were trying to say and do. Mm-hmm. Right. But like I was, I mean, but like I might have put those words down, but like it was a group effort because I had been sitting there just with like a growing uneasiness being like it's the wrong ending that we're heading towards, but I don't know what is. And then one day Jay rings me up and goes, just been thinking, as we sit here writing, you know, like the two of us don't kind of sit around and talk about like what are our themes very often. Like <laughs> we, no. I, well, I think we just kind of both know. Like we, we both, mm-hmm. without having to talk about it, we understand what story we're writing. But he's like, as we sit here writing this story that's kind of ultimately about like found family and choosing love and choosing ways to come together and, you know, in, instead of destroying each other, finding, you know, what we have in common. It's getting harder and harder to imagine how we, like, just shoot the shit out of each other, you know, <laughs> as a natural conclusion to that <laughs> Right. And I was just like, oh, that's what's been bothering me, like, clear as day. And then I was like, oh, so it ends with love and choice. Yeah, and, and Jay's like, yeah, in the background being like, so I'm just thinking, and at that point I did tell him to shut up, which is not something <laughs> I've ever done in our writing relationship before or things. Like, you She's know, like, when yeah, you yeah, yeah, I got to leave you alone. Yeah, stop talking, stop talking. And I ran off. And... You, you convinced me, take, take yes for an answer and like, <laughs> leave me alone. Right, and like, yeah, uh, and ran off. Yeah, and, it, it, and yeah, as, as soon as Ames sent me the chapter, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is exactly right. So, yeah, right. No, not at all. Um, it would have felt deeply wrong had we entered it the way we originally planned to. It was also logistically going to be really, really hard because <laughs> we made this rod for our back with like we spread it out over 22 different planets. So we were going to have to yeah. have like oh 22 my different battles. Right. Little. But it was just going to be way too hard anyway. So it was a good thing that we were wrong because we were right. driving the wrong way up the freeway towards a dead end. Yeah, that yeah. would have been crazy. Well, I mean, also there had just yeah, no. been a lot of fighting already in this book. There had been a yes. lot of physical yeah. combat and it was like uh, people are just going to be <clears throat> tired by the time. Which, and the thing is, I think, you know, you do a lot on instinct storytelling that you don't necessarily realise till later. And in retrospect, I think it's really clear that the reason we had already put in all that fighting was because we understood it couldn't be the final note. 
it had mm-hmm. to be the final obstacle instead. And, you know, and yeah. then the final note would be the ending. But I don't, we didn't know that at the time. I think we were just instinctively shaping it the right way. And thank goodness we worked out yes. what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, it feels absolutely the right choice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I mean, I think we, we could have made that giant battle satisfying. I think we write a good enough battle that people would have been like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I think it's the real measure of a book is kind of like when you walk away and think about it. And I mm-hmm. think when they walked away and thought about it, they would not have found it satisfying in the way that they found this ending. I agree. I mean, as, as the reader, like this ending was so satisfying for me. Like I absolutely loved it. Now I, I am going to tell you, I did, I did cry like the last three quarters of the way through this book. I'm not going to lie. I probably started like, like chapter 26 ish and then all the way to the end. Funny, funny story. So we, I finished reading it in a car ride. So my husband and I were driving with our children to see family and it's, it's a um, 13 hour drive. So we, now we, we tend to split it up in two days. So, you know, it was like a seven hour drive one day. Okay. So, and, and I read all the time. This is what I do. I finish multiple books on these trips when we take them. And I'm sitting there reading through the ending of Aurora's end. And I am like, sob it. Like I am so in tears. <laughs> and my husband is driving, you know, and I'm like, it was so bad. I'm trying not to like, you know, massively like convulse. And, and like, I had to like t- put the book up over my face and like turn away towards the window. Cause I'm like, he's going to be like, what the hell is the matter with you right now? And I'm like, it's just really good. Like, oh man, this is amazing. That's uh, amazing. I love oh my it. Goodness. <laughs> That's like- a weird thing to take a compliment from. That, that, like, <laughs> we make people sob openly on car rides. Yeah. I mean, that. That's the you know, highest form of battery you can get, really. It's definitely it a compliment. <laughs> you know, like I saw this, it was an Instagram post by Victoria Schwab the other day, and I'm going to misphrase her slightly, I'm sure, but she she was talking about like basically the experience of like writing in a pandemic. And one of the things she said was something like, writing is a long and lonely journey with the promise of company at the end. And mm. one of the tough things about pandemic releases is the author doesn't get the company at the end. You know, we tell the story and we send it out, but we don't get those moments where we're like, well, and, and you're not saying how did it go so people can be like, oh, great, you're a genius. You're <laughs> saying it because you're like, I made a thing and I want to I share it with you and the hope it will affect you, did it? You know, and then because it affected me and, you know, you can share something with the reader. So, like, you know, we're cackling here at the idea of, <laughs> you know, hiding behind a book from your husband, but also... <laughs> Like, as we're doing that, also, it's incredibly meaningful to hear because we have missed yes. so much of it with this with this yeah. series. So, you know, it means a lot to hear that stuff. Good. And, and I can really tell you, Thank you. It's a wonderful thing to say. I can yeah. tell you, I'm not the only one. Like, I, you know, have friends who I've read this series too, and we were reading at the same time, and they said the same thing. They were like, yeah, I just kept crying. I mean, all of these things, right? <laughs> so, Zila, Finding Love. Zila, reali- mm. we realized that she's the one who sets everything. Can I just tell you, as I was reading like book one and book, well, book two, really, okay, Burning, like the biggest question that I had in my mind was how on earth did all of these things get set up for them when mm-hmm. it, they weren't even born? And like all this, that was like the biggest question that I had. And so, but I feel like finding out that Zila 
stays behind and she's the one who does. I was just like, oh my gosh. Like I started crying at that part. I was like, it's Zila. Of course it is. And you know, I'm <laughs> right. And but then it's not all sacrifice. It's her happy no, ending. It is. It's both, but which also happy tears too. So <laughs> this is why there was so much crying at the end of this. Cause, and then future Tyler. Oh my goodness. That's like the saddest death scene that I have ever read. I mean, yeah. and I mean that as a compliment, like it's good. I, but you know, no, I, was like, I agree. Oh no, my Jay gosh. wrote that. And at the end I was just like, Oh, you didn't want me to critique this. Did you? Oh <laughs> shit. I'll read it again. Sorry. <laughs> but it's all good. It, did, it didn't happen. Like I avoided that future. It's all good. You it out. Yeah. <laughs> And the, the funny thing yeah. was, is I thought like I get, you know, like the last chapter, I'm on the very last chapter and I think I'm good. Right. I think like I've cried all the tears and then, and then they're listening to the message in the meeting. And we find out that the person who delivered the message is always like great, 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 great niece. And I was like, oh crap, <laughs> started crying again. <laughs> like It's just oh, well, we were trying to figure out a way to use Ori's family like through the whole yeah. trilogy yeah. like mm-hmm. we kept kind of bouncing this idea around yeah. like can they you know can there be some secret society or can can they do something right. can they have some role and it just didn't fit like there was just too much yeah there was yeah. just too much else happening but it yeah. logically it made perfect sense that Zilla would talk to them would let them know that she's okay mm-hmm. um yeah. so yeah that that felt like a really cool end note with this question mm-hmm. that we had been asking for like three books in the trilogy yes. and it just kind of slotted perfectly into the place of that last chapter so yeah that was yeah. cool well and but like it's cool. it makes first... you feel cleverer than you are <laughs> yeah for sure yeah but it, but it felt right because the Zilla we met at the start of this series would never have taken a risk like that because it yeah. was an unnecessary risk you know she didn't have to tell them it didn't she didn't. She and her plan did not gain anything from her telling them. She told right. them because it was to, to give a gift to their family. And, you know, it was only by the end of the series that she had come to the place where she valued that gift highly enough that she would do it. Yes. And it was so beautiful. <laughs> now, I do. I am curious. I like to ask this question. Like when I've read a book that makes me cry, especially a book that makes me ugly cry, like this was ugly cry. <laughs> Um, I, it always makes me curious. Did either of you cry or get emotional at all while you were writing some of these parts? I got a bit misty when I read the end that Amy wrote. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't cry as a general rule. Uh, but no. I, I got, I definitely got misty eyed reading the end. And that's how I knew it was right. Like yeah. it just, it just felt perfect. Um, and I, and yeah. I, I don't think I had a single note. No, we didn't change when anything. I sent back just, that chapter didn't yeah. change a thing. It was just like, oh yeah, no, this this totally hits. Like every beat hits mm-hmm. perfectly. So yeah, yeah this that kind was of phrase is very hard that, to get out of Mr. Kristoff. So I was very pleased. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible in that respect. But yeah, I, I think that was the closest I came was like reading that yeah. end sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, like there, there are obviously really emotional scenes in the book, like mm-hmm. future Tyler dying and. The conversation that Cal and his dad have. Um, yeah. There's a line in there that hits pretty close uh, to home. So, yeah, there, there's certainly a lot of emotion in the book. Um, but yeah, Ames, Ames got me like this close. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. With I mean, I end, think, like, I think often when I'm writing really emotional stuff, I am feeling it, but I'm also a little bit 
stepping outside myself and watching the scene because I sort of need to be thinking like, oh, okay, like, you know, if so-and-so is dying right now, what are the details that will most affect the reader? What What's like the mm-hmm. visceral or sensory detail that I can describe from the scene? So you're sort of like both in it and outside it. Um, I mean, I do remember after writing the finale, I just like couldn't do anything for about two days. I think I was just really emotionally. And that also came, I think, just from finishing the book. Yeah. I'm always just a bit mm. bit of a ragdoll afterwards. But I find I find the moment in the epilogue when Ori realizes who's brought the message very affecting. Oh my I'm telling you, it was like <laughs> I I could not contain myself at that point. That was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Like I had just, I'm telling you, I just like settled down and then I read that one part and was like, oh my gosh just I mean I think right now as well because we've all been apart from people for so long you know seeing a reunion I think as it hits different but no for me the stuff I sobbed over was the stuff I didn't write which was like yeah you know losing Tyler and Leigh and that sort of thing and just like like I want readers to know you know like I yell at Jay for them when stuff like that happens (laughs) like like all my little comment bubbles are just all caps you know outrage and sadness (laughs) So, you know, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I like write, writing Cat's last chapter in Rising oh. was really quite hard. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I sobbed gets, over that. Oh, reading it. When she gets taken by the yeah. Um Yeah, yeah that, that, that was hard to too. That's, I, yeah, that's I still, like, of all the chapters I've written, I'm that's one of the ones I'm most proud of. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that felt, yeah, that, that cut pretty close to the bone as well. You're right. That feels like a lifetime ago, but I definitely cried when you sent me that one. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, it is a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the thing is, like, you should cry. You should have those feelings. Like, writing is, you know, about emotional honesty. So, and I think that's one of the things that maybe we all don't talk about as much, that, like, you can't portray deep feelings like that unless you, you know, have felt deep feelings like that. Mm-hmm. And so you know, then when you offer them up to a reader, it's actually you and your deep feelings that are being judged. So, yes. you know, not not just your portrayal of them. It feels very much like it's you sometimes. Now, I'm not, you know, a book author like you guys are, but I do write um, for a blog and I'm edit for it. And I've, you know, submitted pieces and I wrote, there's, um, there was a blog that I've written for in the past and they were, going to do a book and they're looking for submissions. And I did send them something. And this piece that I wrote was very emotional for me and very personal and which is the type of thing that they like. And so when they then told me, no, it was, it was rough. Like, it was like, I was like, you were rejecting me and my personal story, (laughs) like personally, you know, it's hard, it's hard not to take that personally, which I know that you guys know more about than me, but so yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I think I think we I think we've all been there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I did actually on my own podcast. I did uh, an episode called "Writing Writing with Vulnerability." That's all about sharing stuff like this and the good that it can do, and how much it can let people know they're not alone when you share stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's hard work, for sure. Well, now that we've gone down that trail of emotions, <laughs> let's. <laughs> Let's maybe go to a different direction. <laughs> um, okay. So Aurora's end. All right. For, okay. This book takes place in three different places in time. Like we've got the present and the past 
in the future. And I just, I mean, well, first of all, I do have to say this kudos to both of you for the opening, like however many chapters it was where we're in the time loop, like every chapter for like what, six chapters. And Mm. the thing is though, is it was great because it wasn't the same every time, like they were trapped in the same time loop for all of those chapters, but you found a great way to make it different and interesting and like add these little tidbits and things into each one. So kudos to both of you for making yeah. like those first chapters you know what? awesome. I'm, like, listeners can't see, but I'm like here nodding at you. And the reason I'm nodding <laughs> at you is because Jay did that. Because I, I think originally, I don't even remember what POV it was in, maybe Zealas, but like I was trying to write the opening and it just wasn't work I wasn't managing to convey the time loop idea quickly enough and Jay was like hand it over for a minute and it came back with what we at least in our manuscript called like chapter 2a 2b 2c 2d which is like as it as it looped and relooped and yeah. I was like, oh that's what I was reaching for the best thing about co-authoring <laughs> is when you're like I cannot solve a problem and the other person's like really it's easy <laughs> I think I think the first chapter Zillas and the rest is Scar. Yeah, and then um, Scar does our loops, which is what we. So I sent it to you, being like, "Here you go, but like, what next? How do we? How do we reboot?" And yeah, you were like, "I got yeah. this. Don't worry about it." I mean, that was that was definitely the hardest part of the book to write. That the secrets oh. in the past, the loop, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, we started when we when we plotted the, this book, mm-hmm. we broke the three groups and timelines into blocks and we just wrote one and then we wrote the next and then we wrote the last and we started with the first which was the time loop which was by far technically the most difficult part of the probably technically the most difficult thing that we've ever written together yeah uh and it it was really tough um we we spent like a weekend away on retreat just Mm -hmm. trying to get the logistics of it into place and it was it was like wading through molasses. It was really really Bad. tough. And then kind of executing the way we had it imagined, putting that down on the page was an extra level of difficulty. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think we could have written that sequence like three four years ago. But no. yeah, really happy with the way it turned out in the end. It took it took a lot of rewriting. Like that that sequence probably got rewritten more times than it certainly anything in that book and probably yeah. more times than anything we've ever written before yeah which is we don't read yeah. avoid avoid <laughs> writing time travel if you can yeah. uh, authors out there it's it's it's, it's really tough <laughs> i'm like what's really fascinating to me is that we made that choice because mm-hmm. i remember that like i have vivid memories of the two of us sitting in this pub together because with the illuminate files Every document in that series has a timestamp on it. And although most readers will never look, every timestamp in that book is accurate. So, like, we know, you know, if we if there's a document in the Luminae that says you're on the bridge of the ship and then there's one that says that you're at the cargo bay doors, if it says that those are six minutes apart, that's because we know it takes six minutes. And every time someone makes that journey in that book, it will take six minutes unless they're wounded, in which case it will take eight or, you know, like we've... We, we got all of that timing down to an absolute science and we were sitting there with this massive spreadsheet and had typed out literally every document and event in the book and every moment at which it happened. And we looked at each other at that moment and we were like, let's learn from this never again. 
And so like, and yet. <laughs> a few years. I guess it's like childbirth, you know, like you've yes. got to forget or you can't go back because we jumped so, forward uh, a few years. Nervous. Well, and we were like, I think we just didn't quite realise at first, but then we were like, oh, so if it's a time loop, that means that at least at the start, because of course it's a time loop that gets shorter and shorter each time, mm-hmm. but like all of the announcements have to be the same on the comms and they all like, you know, if it happens at 18 minutes in one, it's got to happen at 18 minutes in the other. And like, I was sitting there with this bloody spreadsheet being like, all right, we know that it takes X minutes in order for them to get, you know, they appear at the start of the loop and then they've got to get into Nari ship and then they've got to get down to the station and then they've got to get, you know, inside the station. And we had like down to the second, what the timing was on all of those and, you know, then and then we know that the guard walks by 90 seconds later and so then they can jump. And so that means that that announcement has to be inserted exactly here because that's the 16-minute mark or whatever. And this just giant table of all of this stuff. And every time <laughs> it, it hit a point where when I was locking this table, I was like, Jay, I just, like, meet my eyes right now. <laughs> do not make any more changes because if you do, <laughs> like, and it needs to take them one minute less to make that walk. That affects every loop and I will come to your house and I will hurt you. Like it was, you know. And so when we said it, should, it should be noted. It should be noted that Amy is also terrible at math. The only person oh in the world that is worse at math than Amy is me. Right. Like we are both really bad at math. So bad. So yeah. Level of difficulty to get this spreadsheet in line with is significant. Oh, I yeah. can't even like, imagine. I mean, I'm just oh. reading it. I was like, this is dizzying. Like, how did they write this? Be- I also am horrible great at suffering. math. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, tell, I tell my students all the time, there's mm. a reason I teach drama and not math. So like, just reading through that and thinking about the timing and, you know, and then it's, it's diminishing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how yeah. they did this. <laughs> no, the, the only scenario in this universe in which I am the mathematics expert is one in which the only other person <laughs> present is Jay. Like, I'm very bad at this stuff. You're, you're, in, you're in very dire straits. <laughs> yeah, when you're coming to me for help, you really are. Um, And when we sent in the book, we actually sent in this spreadsheet because we knew that the copy editors would be checking everything. And we were like, I think partly we wanted to show our editor, like, be mindful of what you what you suggest we move, because this is the domino effect that you're going to set off. But also for the copy editors, we were like, here, we suffered for like two days straight. Uh, Maybe this will shorten your suffering a little bit. And then they found mistakes in our spreadsheet and I just crawled under the table and wouldn't come out for a while. But, you know, we got there. It was fine. It's done now. We got there. I do want want to say, in reference to the time loop, um, from myself and your other readers, this is twofold. Number one, thank you for putting Finn and and Scar together. Yes. Awesome. Perfect. (laughs) And number two, during the time loop, like I loved how we just had those little moments with Finn and Scar where they'd like stop and like make out somewhere in a closet or something. Oh, we got some time left before the, before the next. I got time. Yeah. I mean, at that point, they're under the impression that they can just do this forever until they get a rise. Like, yeah, that was that was one of the things that we discovered in the writing of it as well. Because mm-hmm. logically speaking, if you're just resetting every day, yeah. you could just 
live every day until you live the perfect one. So we had to yep. introduce the shortening loop. That kind of mm. that kind of only came later in the writing process, yeah. in order to inflict like a time pressure on them. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they would just mess about, mess That's, about yeah. until they you know, <laughs> I decided to actually try this run, guys. Like, right? I'm, yeah, I'm should we take this loop in the cafeteria. off? Yeah, I've read every it. book in the world. We might as well get out of here now. Like, yeah, yeah. So that that came to us later. Yeah, but we, yeah, it was important to kind of take the time for those relationship beats as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That... Yeah, because we have the two of them, and then that's when Zila and Nari develop their relationship as well, which is really important. Yeah. So and yeah, it was so sweet. Oh my gosh, I loved it. <laughs> so. All right. So I'm guessing, so that was like the hardest part. Then was it a little bit easier at least to write like the other two sections, this being in the present and this in the future? Or was that still kind of like confusing in your brains to have the three different time periods? I mean, nothing was as bad as that spreadsheet. I don't think anything <laughs> will be again. No. I mean, they're, they're they had their own challenges. Different, different structures. Yeah, they had their own um, but yeah, nothing, nothing kind of compared to the first. I guess the next biggest challenge we faced was the decision whether, because originally we wrote them in three different parts and we were yeah. planning on having them in three different parts in the book. Mm. So you would just have all time loop and then all future Ori Cal stuff and then all Tyler. And mm. it wasn't until quite late in the process that we decided we were going to weave them all together. So you would yeah. kind of be bouncing forth across three different timelines yeah. and three different groups of people. We wondered whether that was just going to be too complex. But I think that was maybe because we are mired in the complexity of part one. Yeah. And we were just kind of mentally scarred <laughs> by having to put that damn spreadsheet together. Um, yeah. So in the end, we kind of tried it and it, and it worked. Um, yeah. But that, mm-hmm. that process as well was a difficult one. Like we, we, we basically had to do it and figure out where all the breaks were going to be and how each part would thread in with each other and where the, the, the act blocks were going to stop. Um, and it wasn't until we kind of put it together and read it through, we realized that was probably the best way to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And in hindsight, it definitely was. It would have been, it would have been quite weird in hindsight if they had been blocks up right. themselves, but we, we didn't know if it would work until we tried yeah. it. it. Yeah, it definitely works really well the way that you had it. I loved it. I think it just, it had a really great flow to it and it made sense, you know, where all of the breaks were and um, all right. So the future here, I just, I, my one thing, <laughs> I'm reading this and, and Cal, when he meets, when he meets Lay and he's with Tyler and I, he just can't figure it out. I'm like, Oh, come on, you dummy. Like, <laughs> there has to be, like, it's, I mean, it, it was just it funny. It's, it's like, like if, if you met, you know, if you met yeah. someone super familiar, you wouldn't, your first would thought wouldn't be. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't at like, all. He doesn't it's just funny. Story. No, he doesn't. And it's funny to read it, you know, as a reader and be like, because mm. we know it's hard sometimes when you know, but you mm. have to then put yourself in your in the character's head and be like, okay, he doesn't yeah. know. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he does figure it out, it's he'll, great. he'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like if you know you're in a story, then you can see the narrative arc and you can be like, oh, mm-hmm. this must be X. But like he doesn't know he's in a story. Right. Right. So besides Finn and Scar, I do want to say one of the other most, probably the most satisfying relationship that came out of this whole thing for me was Tyler and Sidey. Can I just, the whole of burning 
like my favorite scenes were the two of them together trapped in the prison <laughs> and, and the way they would talk to each other. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh gosh, please, I need them to like come together. I need this to like crash, them to like crash hard into each other and for this to happen. And so it was beautiful to then see in Aurora's end that the two of them do come together and then, um, and that that works out like that. I loved that. I'm uh, glad you like it. It's it's probably, yeah, it, it's it's a, it's one of the most fun relationships to write, really. Like two people who just hate each other, and for yeah. very, for very <laughs> sincere and logical reasons. Like they they're not yeah. just I don't like you for no particular reason. It's right. you know, each yeah. of them has very solid foundation <laughs> for their personal dislike. Yeah. Um, but you know, that they're, they're the coolest relationships to write. Ones that are built on conflict, but there's a broader conflict around them that kind of slowly forces them together. Um, so yeah, that, they were they were a lot of fun to write together. They're not, I mean, they're not really together in the book for very long. It's only no. kind of the first act of the book, and then they just get separated by circumstance. But the moment where she kind of comes back at the end yeah. is one of my faves. It's like yeah. you know, it's like the Rahirim arriving at Pelennor Fields, like when all hope is lost, and then someone shows up you don't expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that 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 was a cool kind of broad narrative beat as well as a really cool personal beat. And that's yeah. that's one of one of it seems to be one of the favorite lines of people in the book. And yeah. the, I I will see you in the stars line. Yeah, seen people getting that tattooed on themselves recently, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there was a lot of cool components that kind of came together in that in that love story. So yeah, it was it was fun. It's perfect. Yeah. So it's fun to write. I mean, even though <laughs> I could see by even like, cause even though they're not together very long in end, it's just the satisfaction of knowing that that's what happened is, is enough, yeah. you know, as the reader, because in burning in book two, I mean, they're in this, they're both half dressed, they're both half naked, which makes it even more hilarious and perfect because <laughs> I mean that you can't, you're not going to be able to resist them for very long. And when you can read each other's minds, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it, well, and it's we inevitable. Had, like, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, but I think right back when we did the initial character creation, like you had Scar and Ty being half Sildrathi from then, didn't you? Like that was in their very first iteration. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so it was dad, always. The dad was yeah. behind enemy lines. Um, I mean, that, that kind of explained how Scar was so good with people all the time. Like she was right. basically picking up on low level telepathy. Like, I, I know what you're thinking, so I will tell you what you want to hear. Um, yeah. So she was kind of more in tune with that side of herself than maybe Ty was. Yeah. And if you go back through uh, knowing what you now know about them and you mm -hmm. see Ori as she starts to kind of sense other people's minds. There are little hints in, um, in yeah. the way she senses Scar and Ty's minds throughout the books, the ways that their minds are different from Zila or Finn yeah. or, or anyone else, and it's the Sildrathi in them there's that like she's a, sensing. Mm -hmm. She just doesn't know yeah, that. Yeah, there's like a, a colour scape almost. Um, yeah. And she sees, I mean, she sees it in Cal as well Yeah, because his mother was a waywalker, so he has kind of latent telepathic abilities in his blood too. But, yeah, there's, there's really subtle hints that Ames put in that, Ty and Scar are just a little bit different to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. See, some things we knew from the beginning, <laughs> just not everything. Yeah. 
Hey, I mean, it makes it more interesting, right? When you're writing, it makes it more of an adventure if you don't know what's going to happen right away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the most fun that you have yeah. writing when your characters do something that even you don't expect or you come across a twist that you hadn't anticipated. That's yeah. one of the joys of discovery and kind of finding the story as you tell it. And you know that if your characters start doing things you don't expect, they're they're kind of fully realized if they have their own personality and their own force of will that it exerts on the story and maybe do things that you don't want them to do or makes your job harder, uh, but it feels right, then that's a sign that you've made kind of a fully fleshed out real character. So it's, yeah, it's a good thing and it's an exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you both kind of a really fun question to wrap this up. Now, I, I am a huge fan of the princess bride like maybe slightly obsessed with it i mean i can watch the movie put it on put it on mute and pretty much say every single stinking line because mm-hmm. i've seen it that many times <laughs> so um so when i when i read aurora rising the minute I found that first Princess Bride reference. I was like, oh, stop it. This is fantastic. And I actually messaged you, Jay, and was like, please tell me that, like on Instagram. And I was like, please tell me that this was a Princess Bride reference. And you did respond and say, yes, it was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's the best thing ever. And then I did find this, the one in um, Burning as well. But I do have to admit, okay, I did not, I did not see one. What, did I miss one in Aurora's End? Like I thought I remembered reading I, a line I that referenced true love, in. but did you put one in there? I mean, the thing is, I don't think that we, like Jay said at the beginning, this book was very much like a love letter to everything that we love. <laughs> but there was, there was certainly not a checklist. Like, like I think, you know, I mean, I, I know with a lot of it, like sometimes we do it and we'd be like, is that too much? And I'd be like, no, the hell with it. You know, most people won't recognize chumps I don't think they exist and you know (laughs) people who do will Mm -hmm. um but but yeah there wasn't like a now do we have a reference to this for this book and that for that book I think it was just whatever came to mind as feeling like the right reference at the moment was what went in yeah whatever felt right at the time Mm. and we and we often do Mm. it just to amuse each other because we both kind of like the same stuff and grew up watching the same stuff We'll just yeah. throw in a riff here or there almost <laughs> yeah. to make the other laugh. That's it, right. It's like just to entertain ourselves. Yep, uh, very much yeah, very so. Most of the time they just feel right. So they make the cut. So I don't, yeah. I don't know if we did put one in book three. Okay. Um, I mean, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if we did because often we forget that we do it. Like oh, uh, we just do it for fun and then roll on. Yeah. So if there is one, it, it, it wouldn't surprise mm. me, but I can't recall what it is off the top. Of right. Because you yeah. don't do it consciously. You just pluck it off the shelf at the right moment. And, you know, everyone's yeah. got, like, things that they quote that no one else knows that they're quoting. You know, like, mm-hmm. for me, like, there's a West Wing line, like, oh, you just did a whole thing there all by yourself that I quote all the time and people mostly don't recognise. And for me, I don't think they exist is a thing I say all the time about things uh-huh. that I don't want to exist yeah and and most people just that, think i'm saying something <laughs> sorry is that a cj line is that a line from cj no that is i think it's sam and josh but not actually 100 okay. sure is it toby all right i'll be off to the internet after this to figure it out <laughs> um it's just it's been in my dna for so long now that i yeah. don't even know where it came it's from <laughs> yeah yep. but but, yeah, I don't think they exist as a thing I often say about something that I don't want to exist. And people are often looking at me like, but it definitely does. Oh. And I'm like, mm, it's all right. 
It's a reference. It's a reference. I think I think in the original character bible that we did when we were putting together kind of scrapbooks of visuals and whatever. Yeah. One of the visuals we had for young Tyler was Carrie. Yep. That was yep. from oh. Princess Bride. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. That's, yeah. The young, young, handsome blonde man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I got yep. to meet Carrie Elwes. It was like one of the best moments of my life. Like, like it was, he right. was, <laughs> he, he was here at a local comic con and I freaked out as soon as I saw he was going to be there. And I said to my boys, Hey, do you want to go meet Wesley from the princess bride? And of course they both automatically <laughs> screamed and yelled and said, yes. And so we, d- we dressed up, we all dressed up. I was buttercup. Uh, my, nice. my oldest was the dread pirate Roberts. And my youngest was the grandson because I happened to have a sh- that Chicago bears Jersey football Jersey. Amazing. Yeah. So we went and, and it was, it was like the most amazing experience I've ever had getting to meet that man. Like I, I was like, I don't even know what to say to you. I just love you. <laughs> want to be here. <laughs> and I'm obsessed with your movie just so you know, but I mean, the, I, mean I, th- yeah. I feel like he would get that because he wrote that fantastic book, the making of the princess yeah. bride, which I listened to on audio and he reads it and he loves that movie too. So oh, he like. does. He, I mean, when we, okay. So they have it where, you know, he's in like a little booth and they have it curtained off. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they have, um, they had the people before us who went in and then, you know, they closed the curtain and then a couple of minutes later, they're like, okay, you can go in now. So we went in, those people were still in there. He saw us in our costumes, stopped talking to them, turned around (laughs) and immediately came over to me and my boys and was like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And gave me a big hug and he hugged my boy. Like, and I felt bad because he had totally just left the other people who were in the booth with him. But at the same time, I was like, ah, yes. (laughs) So, I mean, it was You put forward the effort. You deserve it. Yes. Also, oh man, remember hugs. Wow. I know, right? This is a historical account. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. You hug strangers, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so people like me, we do catch all those references and we love them and appreciate them. Right. <laughs> nice. Nice. So I love, I, mean, I love that bit. Honestly, we're still finding them. Like sometimes people will tag us both and they'll be pointing to some death metal band with like some lyric from some song and they'll be like, Oh, is this a reference? And I'll, and Jay will be like, Oh yes. Good on you. And I'm like, Today I learned. Um, (laughs) And, you know. There's also a reference in Obsidio that Amy wrote that no one in the world will get but the two of us. No. Like, it's it's literally just for us. It appears completely innocuous unless you are us. And that was just kind of a little (laughs) shout out for the end of the series. It was. It was like I wrote a private joke just for my friend, for my audience of one. Yeah. And, like, again, like, (laughs) hard to get Jay to cry. It's also hard to get him to just crack up laughing and, like... My, to this day, he cracks up laughing thinking about it, and that just gives me enormous satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love that. Well, thank you both so much again for coming on today and chatting with me. This has been a lot of fun, and I'm sure my listeners have really enjoyed this as well. And um, I appreciate you taking the time out and coming to be on here. So, Amy, you just had something. Your new one is just come out, right, for your series. That's, Do you want to mention that? Yeah. Yeah, so Beyond the End of the World just came out, which is the sequel to The Other Side of the Sky. So that duology is now complete. 
Uh, and that's that's me done for 2022. Um, that's book number 18 we worked out. Um, a group of people got to watch me try an, an ad live the other day when someone asked me what number book it was and <laughs> then they all understood what I meant about not being good at really any kind of maths. Um, but, yeah, so that duology is complete now. That's my kind of sci-fi fantasy mashup that I wrote with, with Megan Spooner. And so I now get a break till 2023. Um, and, you know, I will say, actually, because uh, the people who are listening to this are podcast people, uh, that my 2023 release is a book called The Isles of the Gods, which is my first ever solo YA. It's fantasy. And uh, starting uh, this year in probably late Feb, early March, I'm going to be starting a new um, podcast with a, a friend of Jason and mine called Kate Armstrong. Uh, it's called Pub Dates, and it's going to be uh, an every second week behind the scenes look at the countdown to those books coming out. So we're going to take readers with us through editorial and cover design and getting ready for launch and kind of do like a making of podcast that will then culminate in the books coming out. So I feel like the sort of people who like to listen to behind, your behind the scenes kind of chats mm. would be into that kind of thing as well. So it's right. called Pub Dates and we are recording it now. It's really fun. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to look forward to listening to that. And then Jay, you had, uh, aside from Aurora, you had your Empire of the Vampire book come out. You've, that's that's going to be a yeah. series, right? So you've got another one of those. Is that what you're working yeah, on Yeah, that's now? a trilogy. Okay. Yeah, so I'm writing, I'm writing book two at the moment. Um, the other release that I, I have one release coming out this year, but it's a special edition uh, of the Nevernight trilogy. So that's coming out nice. through Lit Joy Crate. It's going to kind kind of be a deluxe edition, kind of leather bound and spray oh, edges. It's so and fancy. Like it's 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 very very fancy. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I too think, fancy I, for I the likes of you, trail. my friend. I subscribe yeah, I mean, to the. I subscribed to Lit Joy Crate, and when I saw that, I was like, yeah. "Whoa! I'm gonna set my calendar set for this one." Like writing this down, I was so excited. <laughs> it's gonna be really good. Yeah, they're they're gonna be beautiful books. Like mm. those those people have put out all the stops. Um, yeah. They're going to be gorgeous. So I think they go on sale in May uh, or maybe yeah. March. But that's my release for this year, and yeah, Empire Two will be coming out next year. So I've just started briefing Bond on the illustrations. Um, and yeah, it's going, it's going really well. It's really fun to write. Yeah. I mean, every Empire book is like two to three regular books. So yeah, <laughs> like, they're very long. They're very long. <laughs> it will probably be longer than Empire was. And Empire was oh my goodness. 340,000 words. So yeah, they, they oh. take a little bit of doing. One one of my middle, one of my um, middle school students today, she was in eighth grade. She was she had a book with her I said oh what are you reading and it was a vampire book but she said but it's it's for adults though <laughs> but it's okay I said okay I said well I read one recently that's also for adults that was really good but but you can't read it you, not till you're older no <laughs> said, no not, not, not age appropriate not, not really for you so grade. I'm not going to even tell you what the what it's called <laughs> No. no I mean I, I was reading Stephen King at 10 which is probably too young I'd say that okay but I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like Leah's the teacher. I can't. She I can't, can't be the. She can't be the teacher being like, "Oh, here you go." The kids have to find no, it on their own. Like we did. Right. Like I can say, very, very true. 
I can say very vaguely, there is another one by a really good Australian author, but I can't really specifically <laughs> recommend it to you. No. no <laughs> and then it's up to her. the middle school library. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Right. I'd be fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't take that hit. She'll find yeah. it on her own. Yes. She, I, yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that this particular student will indeed do that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. So um, everybody listening now, you can look forward to these new books that Amy and Jay have got coming out and Amy's podcast. Um, thank you again so much for both of you being here. And thank you to everybody for listening. And we will chat again soon. Today's episode featured the books Aurora Rising, Aurora Burning, and Aurora's End and the Aurora Cycle by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. A special thank you to both Amy and Jay for joining me today on YA Book Chat. And thank you to Josh Redlick, Publicity Manager at Random House Children's Book, for setting up the interview. Be sure to follow YA Book Chat on Instagram, and don't forget to subscribe so you get your episodes as soon as they are available. Why a Book Chat was created by, is hosted and edited by me, Leah Stuller. <laughs>